I speak to you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. As one of our guest speakers at the Richard Hooker Colloquium yesterday began his message with a disclaimer, I too want to begin with a disclaimer, and that is this. The Feast of All Saints always affords the opportunity for us to hone in on an aspect of what it means to be a saint. And I find this profitable, even necessary, to return to that simple question annually, if not more regularly, because, for this reason, the world in which we live has a distorted definition of what it means to be a saint. Ask any person in your ordinary interactions what they think a saint is, and you will hear descriptive words along the lines of perfect, pure, sinless, holy, righteous, undefiled, pious, all of which amount to giving the impression that you're referring to someone who is really, really, really good. And then mental imagery soon follows of ethereal people with halos. And it is easy to contract this false definition and perception of what it means to be a saint, hence our need to recalibrate. There are, of course, two senses in which we use the word saint. There is the capital S saint, and there is the lowercase s saint. In both cases, I have never known any of them, whether officially recognized and canonized in a wing of the church, or your average common overlooked saint in the body of Christ. None of them would agree with the perception that they themselves are perfect, sinless, or really, really good. All saints of all kinds and all ages are the very first to admit how desperately broken and in needs of God's redemption they are. In other words, what I'm saying is saints are sinners. But that's not all they are. They are forgiven sinners. So I remind us of that. If you needed to hear that, that's for you. But something else grabbed my attention and captivated me this week on this Feast of All Saints. I've been reflecting on something that all saints share in common, and that is this. All saints, all of them, rejoice in the promises of God. All saints rejoice, find peace, place their hope in the promises of God. The promises to all saints are powerful words, and they take them seriously. Think of Abraham, who heard from God that he would have many descendants, as many as the stars of the sky, and that he would be given a land and that God's people would dwell in the promised land. And he believed God, 
He hung and clung on the promise of God. Or the Blessed Virgin Mary promised a child, Be it unto me according to your word. She heard the promise and she believed it. This is what has stood out to me most clearly and powerfully as I've been reading and reflecting on our gospel passage for today. To set the scene, Jesus at this point in his ministry, which is still very early on, is ministering to multitudes already. Great crowds have flocked to him. He makes his way up on a mountain. And we should make note of that because things happen on mountains with God. This is often a place where God reveals himself in a great way. He sits down on that mountain. His disciples, those who have already committed themselves to following him, come to him and they sit down and he begins to teach. And look what it says. It says he opens his mouth. When God opens his mouth, things happen. This is the same person whose mouth, when opened, created all things, heaven and earth, including you and me. These are not empty words that flow forth from his mouth. They are, in fact, blessed words, divine promises. The Beatitudes are what follow. The Beatitudes are regarded as a series of profound pronouncements of blessedness, which are directed and intended for God's people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, and so on. What I want us to notice is that with each pronouncement of blessedness comes a profound promise. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. They shall receive mercy. It is promises like these and others which captivate every saint, all saints, and give reason to rejoice. Now, of all the promises that are on offer in this short passage, which amounts to 12 verses, all of the promises can be summed up in one, a heavenly inheritance. The heavenly inheritance that Jesus speaks of is the kingdom of heaven. This promise in our passage serves like bookends. It's the first and last promise that he gives to his people. The reference to the kingdom of heaven and others like it from Jesus cause the saint to conclude that this world is not my true home. The inheritance of heaven encourages us to look to another place, another time, an eternal place. It was Jesus who said on another occasion, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, believe, believe in God, believe also in me. 
For in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again, and I will take you there to myself, that where I am you may be also. All saints realize this, that God has something greater in store. And because of that, saints are willing to become poor here in order to be rich with God there. As Jesus also said, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? All saints rightly realize and recognize that the kingdom of heaven that Jesus promises is of supreme value, surpassing all kingdoms of this world. And if the devil were to show up and offer you all kingdoms of this world in the same way that Jesus rejected and said no, so does the saint, because they value God's kingdom more than any other kingdom or kingdoms. Saints are ready, they are willing to give up all things this side of heaven if those things become barriers to getting into heaven. And so it is said of all saints, blessed are the poor in spirit, the impoverished, The saint is able to rejoice in their poverty and even in their persecution, as Jesus points out, because they look forward with joy to future prosperity with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus said, just a chapter later, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all other things that you have need for will be added to you. All of the other promises that Jesus promises here in this passage are realized in the kingdom. Our need for satisfaction. Our need for mercy. Our need to see God face to face our need to be identified as sons of God, children of God. All of these things manifest in the kingdom. These are not just words, but as I'm emphasizing, these are in fact promises, not empty, not wishful words. And they become for us, if we take them seriously, reasons to rejoice Saints see promises like this and they cling to them. And so on this occasion of all saints, let us join with all saints, past, present, and saints to come, in orienting ourselves and rejoicing in the promises of God. Amen.